0: Hey, hey, Eastside! How is my family this weekend? Come on, now! All right, that's a little better. Hey, I wanna give a shout out to those that are joining us online from all over the world. Let's let them know how much they're appreciated for taking their time out and joining us on the computer. And to our guests, man, we so appreciate you guys coming out and sharing with us. And I pray that when we are done with this weekend, that you have been blessed in your time spent with us. So last week, Hayes started off this series called The Goat. Now several weeks ago, he approached me and he asked me, he said, John, would you be available to preach on the weekend of March 24th and 27th? And I had to go back and I had, you know, I'm married, so number one, we check with that calendar, make sure hers is good. We check with the family calendar, we check with a work calendar, And short of an active Congress and all the other requirements that that are taken to see if I'm free, I found out I was clear and that I was able to do that. Well, as soon as I'm assigned my topic, I'm one of those type of people, I'm a processor. I mean, it takes me forever to write a sermon. I got to think and I got to stew and I got to study and I got to read and I got to watch and then I got to process and then I got to sleep on it. And then it does this wild thing in my noggin. And then it just kind of goes on the paper. Okay? So I had started that process. I mean, I was, well, if you know me, it's usually today that I'm writing it. (laughs) And I'm not kidding you, but I had my introduction set up. I knew exactly what I was going to use for my introduction. It was smooth, sailing, I said, man, we're going to get this, we're going to hit it out, until, Until. and I kid you not, until I walked in Sunday and haste used my story. (laughs) The little boy being the greatest batter, and then he ended up striking himself out, and now he's the greatest, he used my story. So in light of that, as we're waiting for the results of our coffee poll, we're gonna listen to a little Jeopardy! Trivia music. All right, is our poll up? Do we have a winner? Winner, winner. Winner, more, more music. Oh, coffee crossing 81%. Oh, I was looking on the wrong screen. <laughs> Why in the world did they let me do this? All right, now here's the reality of that. I have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea that somebody spends... Five dollars for a cup of something that smells so good, but tastes like dirt. All right, and if you can get it so that it doesn't taste like dirt, you've put so much junk, you've put so much whippy dip in it, you might as well drink a pop and save yourself four dollars. Am I right? Or am I just cheap? Cheap. Well, the idea behind this series is that we are attracted to greatness. We like to watch it happen. We even like to participate in greatness. We may even dream at times of being great at something. And most of us have an opinion on who is the greatest of all time or what is the greatest of all time. And that runs a gamut of possibilities. We argue as to what the greatest candy bar is. Snickers. We argue about who the greatest president is. No comments. We argue about the greatest sports teams. We argue about the greatest athlete. We argue about the greatest cars. We argue about the greatest state. And we could go on and on. Well, in this series, we are focusing on the greatest of the greatest. As Hastie introduced this week, Jesus shared seven different times of why he is considered to be the greatest of all time. And he started us off last week by saying I am bread. I am bread. And in John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. And I know I say this every time that I'm asked to speak and, and have an opportunity to speak, but if you missed last week's message, I implore you. Get on the app. You were just some of you are on there doing your vote for, for David there. Get on the app. The sermons are right below that on a tile. Get on the website discovereside.com. Get on YouTube Eastside Online. Watch that service. Watch that message. And here's a teaser. Haste, last takeaway take that he shared was, with us was never allow your longing for bios to distort, or excuse me, to distract you from chasing after Zoe. Now, if you're going, in the world, that's why I asked you to go back and watch it. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, Jesus doesn't stop there. Just a couple of chapters later here in the Gospel of John, he lays down the gauntlet again, and he declares yet another I am statement. He says, I am light. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he said, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light of life. Now, like last week, for us to truly understand the depth of this story, to understand the gravity of this story, we have to understand where Jesus and what he was trying to share with the world. And his timing, like always, was perfect, as we're going to see in just a minute. When John records this story, it's during a period of time where the Jewish nation is within a feast. They had several feasts that were scattered throughout the year. And this was called the Feast of Tabernacles. And these feasts were set up to remind them of major events that had happened within their history. Big times where God just showed up and God delivered them from something. And this Feast of Tabernacles, the gist of it was to remember God's provision of protection of the forty years they wandered in the wilderness after they left Egypt. Now, for eight days, this feast of the Jewish people, they would live in little booths, huts, or tents that were made out of fresh branches. All right, we didn't have your Surda sleep mastery in your Cunningham camper. All right, we talking, you made up this little rickety job and you slept in that for eight days, and it was a reminder of God's provision living in those temporary dwelling places there were trumpets that were blown each day of the feast there was a special ceremony where they would go to the pool of salome and they would gather water there and then they would go out and they would pour it out reminding the people how god provided when moses which he was technically supposed to speak to the rock but instead hit the rock with the stick and it poured out water and if that wasn't enough, there were these candelabras that were placed within the courtyard that they were lit each night. And now here's the we're not talking about little rinky-dink candlesticks. Okay, we're not talking about little bitty rinky-dink candelabras. I mean, these bad boys are so big, the priest had to climb on the ladders. Now, I read in my study that some of the tradition that it was passed down and has been passed down through those centuries— is that these candelabras were 50 cubits high? Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you know a cubit is a biblical measure. Noah was asked to build the ark in, in cubits. For uh, us rednecks, cubit is basically from the end of your finger to the point of your elbow, roughly 18 inches on an average man. Okay, so you think 50 cubits? Now you're doing the math. Ching 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 ching. 75 feet tall. 75 feet tall, these candelabras extend in this courtyard. And each of the candelabras holds 10 gallons of oil so that it can burn, and burn as bright as possible. Now again, tradition says once these candelabras were lit, the whole city could see the light of those candelabras. So in the midst of this feast, Jesus declares to all of those that were present right then and for us today, this unbelievable statement, I am the light of the world. And then the fallout begins to get steamed. You see, Jesus has had several controversial t- teachings where he would say something and he would teach something and the religious leaders would get upset about it and they would, they would take offense to it and, and they, would, they would bicker back and forth and, and they would debate about it. And it's created issues with the religious leaders. And he's done some controversial things like healing people and he healed some people on the Sabbath. And again, it created these issues with the leaders of going, man, you're not supposed to do that. The Sabbath's supposed to be holy. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. And again, they have this tension that's taken place, and he is facing this opposition within his ministry. He's called them out at times. He's brought to light their hypocrisy, and he said, yes, I am the Messiah. Now, you're talking about flipping their wigs when he made that claim. I am the promised Messiah. They lost their ever-loving minds. And then Jesus makes this incredible declaration about himself, I am the light of the world. Now, you can read all about that fallout. It starts right next verse, verse 13. We don't have time to deal with that this weekend. But getting to the root cause of this issue, what was the religious leader's problem with Jesus taking claim that I am the light of the world? It was because Jesus, again, was equating himself with God. And from this one mighty claim, he is claiming, I am the greatest of all time. And they considered that to be utter blasphemy. Well, let's look at what this idea of light And Jesus claiming to be not, now you remember this is key, not a light, but the light. The first purpose we see of light in verse 12 is that light directs. John 8 verse 12 again, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Let's break this down a little bit. God's use of light in giving direction is nothing new here. This is nothing new. This is old hat. And to be honest, I think it's a major reason why the religious leaders are having such a problem and are so upset after Jesus claim. Won't you think back with me, all the way to the beginning? Yes, all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 1. Look at Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, "Let there be light." And there was light. So here is the Father God speaking the world into existence. One of the first steps of that creation was to create light, simply speaking it into existence, not a wave of the hand, no fancy slide of hand. He just simply said, let there be light. In his omnipotence of being the all-powerful God that we worship and serve, light came forth. So when Jesus claims and declares, I am, these religious leaders, again, they're going back in their mind. They're going back in time to where when, when, when Moses was getting ready to go before Pharaoh and, and Moses is kind of arguing with God, and I don't that I'm the dude to do this and I don't know who am I supposed to tell and and God just simply says tell him I am since you so these religious leaders are going to that statement I am and they would think of that creation story of God creating the I am that spoke it into existence and here is in their minds this itinerant preacher a nobody to them claiming to be I am. And they were not happy at all. Now we talked earlier about these candelabras that were in the temple that were so big. Those huge lamps were there again to represent the presence of God when they were wandering in and through the wilderness. If you go back to Exodus chapter 13, again, this is just simply stuff that's coming back to these religious leaders' minds. They know it. They understand it. They saw it. They experienced it. They heard it all the way down the line. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a, pallor, in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Now what you think about how cool would that be? I mean, you need to go somewhere. You know, Israel needs to go somewhere. God just shows up and you got this big old flaming set. Well, I mean, what's a pillar? I guess it's just a big old tall thing. Like a pillar on a porch. Or is a pillar you sleep on? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm gone now. Um, you see, well, I mean, when they didn't know where to go, they didn't know where to turn, all they had to do, it wasn't rocket sun. All they had to do was look for the cloud or look for the fire and follow wherever it led. See, light directs. How many of you ever gone splunking, caving? Man, I used to love going into caves and exploring, as long as I had a good light. That is a very important key, a good light. And if you're smart, you got to spare, because you never know. My pop loved caving. In fact, one of my earliest memories of a family vacation was where we left Tennessee and Had driven up to Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. Uh, We camped out in the campground, and the raccoons got in the trash that night, and he was trying to chase them off. And the next day, we go into uh, into the cave, and we did the historical tour. I think that's what it's called now. You know, where you go in the main entrance, and you're walking along, and they turn on a series of lights that are in the floor and along the side, and you're walking along, and they're telling all about this stuff. And and, you know, you get through that section, they turn those lights off, and turn the next section on, and And you get down in that great big old room that's got all those benches. And you sit down, and they start telling you a little bit about the history of the cave. And then they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn out the lights. Am I the only one that goes like this? (laughs) I bet I've done that two or ten times in my life, and I still go like this. You can't see anything. I mean, you cannot see anything. And then our guide, and again, you got to remember, this has been 50 years ago. 50 years ago, our guide reaches in his pocket, and he takes a cigarette lighter, and he, he lit it. And that one little candle power illuminated that entire room. Light directs. Light directs. The psalmist wrote of this truth in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light for my path. Again, in Psalm 19, it says the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. See, God's word's been given to us to show us the way, to give us direction, to put light on our path as the psalmist wrote. It's as simple as that. But the problem is we're hard-headed. We think we know better. We we think we know a better way. And and we look at it and go, you know, I really don't need that. That that, that, that doesn't apply to me. Or or, or I'm the exception to the rule. And we try and fool ourselves. And in the end, we, we end up making a big old mess. Because light directs. Remember I was sharing with someone the other day. you got to remember I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I'm not the brightest bulb in the batch. It takes me a while to figure stuff out sometimes. I was 28 years old before I truly understood why my dad had rules and had the rules that he had in our house. Some of you are asking, why in the world did it take you to 28 to figure that out? Because at 28, I had my own kids. (laughs) And I understood at that point when my daddy says, don't go out in the street, dude. He was only looking out for my best interest. When daddy said, don't stay out after midnight, ain't nothing to do, you get in trouble after midnight. I understood because they were my kids. And I understood the reasoning behind why I put these out there was I wanted to protect them. I wanted them to experience life as full as it could be without hurt that they could keep themselves from if they would simply listen to me. And God is the exact same way. If he asks us to do something, it is for our benefit. It is to bless us if we will follow through and be faithful. If God asked you not to do something, bottom line, it is to protect you. It is to protect you. He's not trying to steal fun. He's not trying to steal joy. He wants nothing, nothing but the best for you. And that's why he has put guidelines and he has put guardrails out there for us to keep us. Hey, shared last week, simple truth is, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to only to steal and kill. The thief, that's Satan, that's the enemy. That's all his job is. He'd he care less about you. He'd just soon you get bust tonight. All he wants to do is kill and destroy. But I have come. That they may have life and have it to the full. But you see, we only experience that when we allow light, we allow Jesus being the light to direct us. As we close out this little section on on purpose of the idea that light directs, I want to apply that. I want you to take some time. You can do it right now, you can do it tonight, you can do it on the drive home, you can do it if you lay in bed tomorrow morning. Because somewhere this weekend, I want you to just stop and think. I want you to evaluate. I want you to dig into your life and look and see, is there an area that God is directing or has directed and you're ignoring or you're avoiding? And you know you need to respond to his direction. And a change of course is what's in mind. Because the light shown by the greatest of all time simply wants you to have that perfect love of his direction. A second purpose we can see of light in verse 12 is that light reveals Look at verse 12 again. We're just gonna keep adding little sections on. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Again, the religious leaders are losing their minds. Who is this that's claiming to have this kind of authority? Only God has that power and authority. Light enables us to see things that were there all the way along, things that were hidden by darkness darkness conceals but light reveals we experience this need for light every time the electricity goes out and we're so spoiled we walk in a room we flip a switch voila let there be light we got light and we're thankful there's light because if there's not light you might trip over the dog or you might trip over the skateboard that jimmy left out or you might trip over the barbie house that susie forgot to put away or you needed the crane from Paget to move because that thing's so honking big. Let there be light so the train laying train set laying on the floor doesn't you don't break a hip. Let there be light so the couch that your spouse decided to move while you were at the grocery doesn't trip you. Paul wrote Ephesians five, but everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated. Becomes light in 2 Timothy 3. He said all scripture is God breathed. is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See we're quick to want light in the physical world so we're not tripped. And that we fall or fail. But are we as apt to ask God to let there be light so that my sin is revealed? I don't know about you, but that's a little bit more difficult request to ask or allow. And yet for us to grow, for us to truly conform our life to the likeness of Jesus, we're going to have to allow that perfect light, that greatest light, I am the light, the greatest of all time, we're going to have to allow him and his light to shine and show us where we are weak and we are frail. See, that's a result of being in the Word of God. Like Paul said, it teaches, it rebukes, it corrects, it trains. And now before you go start putting on your bragging britches like the religious leaders often did, and you're thinking, yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. Man, I, you know, when when, when you're looking for for the follower, you look at me. I want you to picture this scenario with me. If we had the ability to take your thoughts over the last 48 hours and put them on that screen. What you thinking? Most of us are crawling under the chair. Thoughts of jealousy, thoughts of envy, thoughts of hate. Thoughts of lust, thoughts of, and again, the limit is not there. First John chapter 1, we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. See, light reveals. Our problem, though, and we understand that, we know that. Light, just shows stuff up. Our problem is, is that we often take that light and we dim it down like what we talked about in the cave. Remember the one candle power? Oh, you can see, but it's easy to ignore, isn't it? You break out one of them big bad boys, though? You remember those? You know, when, I think they used to do those for selling cars. Had them big spot Man, uh, some of you are looking at me like I'm an Igmo. Um, <laughs> Down home, it was when the R.C. and the moon pie was on sale. <laughs> light things going everywhere. When that bad boy hits what you're doing, what we need to do is to allow the light of the greatest of all time to reveal those areas we need to repent where we need to confess and enjoy the freedom that comes from the forgiveness that God's promised us. C.S. Lewis once said, I believe in Christ like I believe in the Son, not only because I see it, but because by all things, all it is seen. Here's a harsh truth that we often forget. I think we often think, well, we're getting away with something. Um, you know, we have these secret sins. We have these secret uh, desires. We have these secrets. And we might be able to hide that from family. We might be able to hide that from friends. But the truth is you can't hide that from God. It's not possible. He knew you did it before you did it. Now right back your head around that for a minute. He knew you were going to do it before you did it. Light reveals. And again, just a little application. Again, I want you to dig in. I want you to evaluate. I want you to look at your life. Is there an area in your life that you need the greatest of all times, light, to reveal in your life? Is there a sin that you need to confess? Is there a secret that you need to get out so the true healing can begin? Healing that comes only through Jesus. Third purpose of light we see in verse 12 is that light provides life. Look again in John 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Think about this. Light set our biological clocks. Light set the circadian rhythm. Light supplies energy for life to grow. Without light, from the sun, plants die, and so would we. Light is a life giving process. How many of you ever had a trampoline in the back? Quill, it's coming, brother. You're going to have a trampoline. And I know you love your grass and you like to cut your grass. You need to make that grass look. You're going to be moving that bad boy because when you don't, the sun can't hit it, your grass dies. Some of us got great big trees in the back. I couldn't grow grass in my backyard for love nor money because there is too much shade. Light gives life light provides life anybody else affected with seasonal affective disorder known as sad don't. some of us do some of us don't it's not a big big hairy deal um, I mean during the winter when, when the amount of sun is limited man it, 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 it can mess with me um I mean, there are winners like this past this this just this last one. Some of them are worse than others, and I'm not real sure exactly why. But but there are winners. i just soon join Pucksatawny Field. <laughs> climb in that hole. <laughs> By the time the good first spring day pops out, I'll come out with him. Light gives life. John opened his gospel in the first chapter with this. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There is no one else in which life, true life, is found. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And as we close out on this little section here, this, this thought that light provides life, there's a lot of us that have chased after a whole lot of things, trying to find life. Trying to find purpose in life. We look like that book of Ecclesiastes. Man, we chased after that, we chased after that, we chased after that, we chased after that, we chased after that. And most of the time, if you got any sense whatsoever, you will come to the conclusion that Solomon did. It's vanity. You are wasting your time. You're absolutely wasting your time. But are you doing that? Are you using something else in life to try to find your purpose? It could be work. It could be jobs. It could be family. It could be hobbies. That's all good stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's where we're trying to find the source of life we're going to be sorely sorely disappointed. You see it's only in Jesus the greatest of all time that we can and will experience the true light of life. Would you pray with me? Father God we thank you for the truth of your word. Father, for this, this, this word picture that John wrote of Jesus, of being the great I am, that he is the light, the, the light of the world. Father, may we let him direct. May we let him reveal. And let him fill us with life it's in our son in your son's name i pray amen